the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. So I've got to figure out a way of being able to still try those cases, but also run a firm. And I think it's possible. I think I've just got to do a better job of delegating other tasks. To me, that's ideal because that's going to let me maximize my impact on the greatest number of cases and thereby doing the things that I like to do the most. Run your law firm the right way. This is the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking. And I'm Tyson Mutrix. What's up, Jimmy? I know you're on your way to trial. I just want our listeners to understand the devotion that my brother Tyson has to this podcast where he's looking at jury instructions and he's taking a break in order to record this week's episode. Yeah, you know, we have our responsibilities. I enjoy doing this. And uh, as we are speaking, I've got a book of jury instructions next to me, just making sure mine are good to go. And uh, yeah, so I'm pretty squared away. So I'm, I'm a little more in a little different situation than most. We, we got most of the stuff done yesterday, and then we're going to wrap things up this morning and close this morning. So I'm pretty squared away. So I'm excited about to talk about what we're going to talk about. If you were in Illinois, you could use our friend Kurt Lloyd's book on jury instructions. You know, maybe you need to write a book about Missouri jury instructions. You know, I have zero interest in writing a book about jury instructions, but I, I'm happy to read Kurt's book on jury instructions. Maybe one of the other Missouri listeners can write that book. Do you want to introduce our topic for today? Yeah, we're going to talk about letting go and that, that struggle that we have between, you know, trying cases, litigating cases, working on files, and just running a law firm. And it's a struggle that I'm trying to work more on as of, as of late, especially I'm in the middle of a jury trial. I've been thinking about it more lately. So that's the topic of the day. And, and it, it was something that you had come up with. I thought it was a good idea. Well, you'll recall when we had the conference in St. Louis on the first day, we had that end of the day session with Seth, John Fisher, and Mitch, and you and I up on the front of the stage. And we talked about sort of that dichotomy or that battle between doing the work and running the practice. And somebody, I think it was Joey, asked us to gauge if we could estimate how much time we spend on the firm and as opposed to doing the work of the firm and then ideally where we wanted to get. And I remember that everybody had sort of varying answers. And I know that there were a couple of wide eyes when I told people that I only wanted to do about 20% of my time working on actual cases. So 
I think this is a topic that resonates with a lot of our listeners because until you grow and have, like in your case, a partner, and in my case, a partner, but also, you know, people that have different roles in the firm that for many of us, we're just juggling, juggling, juggling. And it gets back to our old book, The E-Myth, where Michael Gerber talks about the tactical work versus the entrepreneurial work and the work of, you know, growing the firm. Yeah, and here's my problem is I don't think 20% of working on legal work is good enough. I really don't. I understand you may be doing a very, very finite thing, or maybe you're not. I don't know. But what I'm finding is it's very hard to do that small percentage of legal work and do it effectively. And and the the opposite is true when it comes to marketing or just managing employees, things like that. I think the percentages need to go be higher, and the only way that you can make those higher is taking some things off your plate. And we, we know that's true. Part of the problem that you and I probably struggle with a lot, I know I do, is just I love trying cases, but I also love running a firm. And so uh, what are the things that need to be taken off my plate? We've been doing a lot of this with Chris is is taking as much off of his plate from a managerial and firm running standpoint to make it where he's just trying cases. And I, I don't want to be in that role. I don't want to be just trying cases, but I think I need to focus on some of the things that are kind of bogging me down. What are some of the things that are really you think uh, that are bogging you down? Well, at the moment, we're transitioning to a new accounting firm, and that's that's brought its own set of headaches, not because of the new firm, but just because of the state of things. And so we're, the transition's been taking up a lot of my time. But, you know, when Adele and I started, it was the two of us in a little bitty office. And now we have, in September, we'll have five attorneys and we'll have probably seven or eight support staff people. And so, you know, management is definitely not my forte. Luckily, my wife's here to remind me to have meetings and to develop an employee handbook and those kinds of things. I want to get back to your point, too, about having not enough cases. And I want to have a stage in my career at some point where I don't have any cases. I I think that I enjoy cases and right now I'm taking sort of the more complicated cases in the office, but I honestly think that I can help more people by directing lawyers and giving them tips on how to handle the cases that they have, but to really be stepping away from the cases altogether. My, My idol in all of this, of course, is Seth J. Price. You know, Seth has grown that firm to monumental heights in my mind. And, you know, he's not handling the cases on a day-to-day basis. I think he gets called in on complicated stuff. And that's sort of the role that I want to play. I love Seth too. You know that. But I I could not, I'm not sure I can take that step and completely extract myself from the law. He's basically in a CEO role. And I get that. It's, he, he does a lot of, you know, pulling levers and pushing buttons and that's, that's good. And, for the most part, that that's my role, but but I don't want to give up that that part of being a lawyer, and because I don't think you're a lawyer anymore, I think you're at that point just a CEO. I mean, you might as well just surrender your law license because you're not actually doing legal stuff. Are you fully comfortable in 20 years saying, you know, I've, I've been running this firm and I've been practicing for 20 years, but uh, I'm happy? I mean, are you okay with that? I'm going to be happy with it if I can do it in two years, my friend. That's my goal. That's my plan, and I know. No, no, that's not my point. No, that's, I'm, I'm saying, 20 years looking back to now, would, are you going to be happy that you gave up practicing law? 
one of the main reasons I like to still have cases is because of the stories. I like to be able to tell the success stories and, and that's sort of part of my marketing too, is telling our success stories. So here's the thing, where Tyson and I live, the biggest law firm in town is called Brian Cave. And the last time I checked, there's nobody there named Brian or Cave working on cases. And so to me, I just look at impact. And also I look at you know, making the firm dependent on me or a personality. And I think that if we're ever going to talk about selling the firm or transferring the firm to somebody else, that as long as it's gym dependent, that's a problem. And it's funny because my marketing is starting to to shift away from gym, gym, gym to the other people in the firm. We're, gonna, we're having Amani and Andrew to start doing some videos and we've revamped the website, which makes it a lot less gym focused. And I think that's important. And, you know, one of my favorite books, that I've read is a very short book that I recommend to our listeners called Built to Sell. And that is that, you know, if it's all gym centric, then as soon as Jim leaves, there's nothing of value to transfer. So yeah, I'd be completely comfortable with that because I can honestly help 10 more people if I handle one less case. I mean, I don't know if that's the exact number, but, and I probably should try to do some math on that. But if I can help 10 more people get further up the immigration ladder, by stepping aside and not doing that actual work and instead, you know, coaching and teaching other people how to do that work and to build systems to make that work, you know, more automated so that I, I'm out. I would probably miss handling cases and it's not an either or. I can always sort of ease in or ease out. But for now, I'm really focused on trying to make it less dependent on me. And then maybe later on, I'll take cases back. You made a good point early on what we were saying. And then- you talked about the stories and you're, you'll miss the stories. To me, that's everything because the stories come from the clients and the clients are what, what spread the stories to their friends, spread the love about you and your firm. So that's part of the problem. If I think of the most respected injury lawyers in St. Louis, the number one that I think of is the one you're going to think of, and that's John Simon. And you know what John Simon does? He tries cases. And that's why he is so respected. And that's why we as a firm don't want to give that up. We're going to keep trying cases. That's why we have such an audacious goal when it comes to trying cases. So I've got to figure out a way of being able to still try those cases, but also run a firm. And I think it's possible. I think I've just got to do a better job of delegating other tasks. For example, I'm going to give up a component of the marketing. I've already hired Kent to work on some of my marketing. Unfortunately, I'm not going to steal him away from you completely, but if I could, I would. Everybody's trying. He's extremely loyal to you, but luckily I've, I've stolen a big chunk of his time. So I don't think there's going to be anything left between the two of us or after the two of us take our time. So, But that's sort of the initial stages of this. There's a lot of this strategy that I'm not going to give up. So I think if I were to look probably five to 10 years in the future, my role would probably be strategy and still trying some cases. But I want to remove myself from the pre-trial stuff. I do know that there's an issue I've got where I'm working too much on the pre-trial matters that can be handled by an associate or that can be handled by a paralegal. For example, just I mean, completing discovery responses. It's We've been so bogged down lately. I've been having to do a lot of the discovery responses myself. And that's unacceptable, honestly. I think that's something that can easily be delegated, but we've got to probably hire some more staff and, and bulk up a little bit, which we will. We're in the process of, of doing all that, but we first have to, that's another part of this, we're, we're looking for office space, and so we've got to have enough space to fit all these people. So this is all in the works, but I've just got to, got to pull the trigger on some of this stuff. 
I'm glad you brought up John Simon because I'm looking at his website. It looks like they have 15 attorneys now. So, you know, when I knew John, he was at another firm and then he left with two other guys and eventually the partnership broke up. And now they have a firm with John and his brother works there, his son works there, his daughter works there. And then there's 11 other attorneys. And, you know, you're right. John is still trying cases. And now that you mention it, I think I've now found who we should have for our hundredth episode on the podcast. I don't know if John knows what a podcast is, but I think, <laughs> I think, I think if I asked him nicely, he'd, he'd come on the show and I think it'd be a really good episode for our listeners. So I'll try to set that up. I like it. That would be, that'd be a pleasure. I think everyone would like that. That's a good one. Well, so what's holding you back from, I know you like doing the cases and, and I know you're doing things other than trying cases and, and Chris is focused on trying cases. So what are the things that you're doing that are preventing you from doing more of what you want to do? I think it's just the overwhelming amount of just work in general. And I think that that's the same problem. That, that seemed to be the, the, the main issue that most attorneys have or that had at the conference. And they talked about it quite a bit. It's caused by growth, which is a good thing. But that's what's caused a lot of it. I mean, we've gone from the two offices and now we're going to have to get more space to add more people. And so we're adding more people, more space. We've got more cases. We had, and I've talked about this before on the podcast, I mean, we tripled what our goal was last year for the number of cases we want to bring in. And that's created substantial infrastructure problems. And we've, we've gotten to the point where we, we turn down and refer out good cases now. We're having to take only great cases, which is good, also good for us, but to the point where we are no longer able to take the good cases. So I would like to beef up and be able to take those. So it, it, what's stopping me, honestly, I just need to sit I've gotten away from my weekly planning meetings, and so maybe that's what I need to get back to is my weekly planning to get us back. Oh, I mean, I'm, I wouldn't say we're on, off track, but get myself back on track and get to, get to getting that stuff organized. When you talk about growth, other than space and office space and all that stuff, how do you know that you're growing? Like, what are the benchmarks or what are the, the metrics that you're watching to let you know that you're growing? Leads, obviously. I mean, that's an obvious one. New cases is, is the next one. And then the number of cases that are settling uh, is a key indicator for personal injury cases. So there is a point in most injury firms where, so you start your firm and you've got a lull period where you're not making any money. You're, you're just paying out money, paying out money, paying out money. And so if you don't have that bankroll, you're screwed. I don't think a lot of people that are shifting to in-person injury know that and or they're doing it the wrong way because they're not spending money on experts. But we sort of hit that benchmark where we're settling multiple cases a week now where we're pushing these things through and every week we're having new cases settle. So that that's a huge benchmark for us. So the key ones are leads as, as just like everyone else. The next one is, is the actual conversions and the cases we take on and the final ones, the number of cases that we settle per week. How does that manifest itself in what you do, you, Tyson? Like, what role are you having in, in sort of tracking that, or how, how are you keeping track of all that? We track those in, in two different ways. We actually track them through Infusionsoft with leads, and we also track them in trial works with our leads and our, our new intakes. And so every time a new intake comes in, every time a new case comes in, everyone in the firm is alerted with an email. So that and I can track all that. I can pull it up by day. I can pull it up by month, year, whatever. Ever I can do, pick a custom field date, whatever it may be. So that's how we're tracking those. So what do you want to let go of, Tyson? What are the things that you want to do less of? You know, honestly, this may sort of sound bad. I, I kind of want to get stop doing the day to day 
BS of uh, dealing with clients. And I, and I've, I've done a lot of that. I mean, I, I've given off a lot of that, but there does come a point, it seems that in every case, the clients want a piece of you. So they want to discuss the case with you. You can train your employees to answer every single question and they still want to, at some point speak with you. And I think that that's reasonable. I really think that that's reasonable, but I think I'm running into the same problem that you have run into where marketing yourself can become an issue because they want you or they don't want the firm. And I think Chris and I honestly have done a really good job of marketing the firm in general. And so I think it's it's getting better. There's less emphasis on me. So the videos aren't just me anymore. It's me and Chris and we have, you know, staff takes pictures and so it's not just us anymore. So I think we're getting that way, but there is a part of it where I just, I want to step out of that day to day, which we're working on it, which means we need to hire an associate and make that happen. We actually hired a contract associate this time. Last time we you know, we hired an associate, didn't work out. So we cut her loose and now we, we, we're doing a little different. We've got a contract attorney doing a little bit of work for us. And if he works out, he'll, he'll get more and more work from us and we'll hire him on full time. We're sort of dipping our toe into it with this. And then this is going to help, but it's hopefully it happens a little faster than what uh, it's going right now. Having met 70 of our listeners at the conference, what do you think would be the goal for most of them? Where, where do you think most of them want to have that balance of trying cases or handling the kind of matters that they handle? Or do you think there's anybody in the group who wants to be sort of more of a CEO type? I think the majority of the people do want to have the balancing because they don't want to give up. There are some like Jay Ruane who is really good friends with Ryan McKean. I think there's a lot of people like that are like that that do want to be the CEO types. And there's nothing wrong with either one of those. But we emphasize quite a bit doing what you love and, and delegating everything else. And so ultimately what I would want to do, I, I want to really offload everything but the trying cases and strategy. I'm in the process of doing that, and that's that's where we'll be uh, probably in five to ten years. I don't want to say ten years. I'd say probably three to five years. One of the things that's been great for me to be in Strategic Coach this year is that it allowed me to figure out a little bit that I'm weird and that I'm okay with being weird, that it's I'm not like everybody else. Not everybody comes in every morning and shoots a YouTube video. Not everybody wants to stop trying cases or stop handling actual legal matters and the cool thing is, is you're right, it's a spectrum and, you know, we can all find our own place on the spectrum. And I've just really been empowered this year to say sort of, you know, this is what I want. This is what I like and what I want and what I like is to meet with potential clients, to find out what their problem is, to diagnose their problem, and then give the solution to other people in the office to work on. And then if I come in at the end and handle the interview or in your situation, if I come in and try the case, then to me, that's ideal because that's going to let me maximize, no pun intended, my impact on the greatest number of cases and thereby doing the things that I like to do the most. No, and I think that that's ultimately, ultimately the goal. And, and Chris and I, what's going to help is we're going to be trying, especially the bigger cases in teams, like this, this case I'm trying now, it's a, it's a really small case, but it's one of those ones where we firmly believe that if they're not offering what is owed, then we try the case. And so that's what we're doing. But what we're going to be doing in the future, what we're doing in the future is trying cases as teams. That way it'll allow me to step into my role as trying a case and offloading a lot of that pretrial stuff. So that, that will help. So 
what is your goal or what is your uh, approach to, to getting to that yourself? Well, one thing is, is that I, I gather smart people around me. I'm sort of that kind of a person. I like to, I'm lucky that the people that we have in the office right now are very positive and happy and interested in working on cases. We also was that you an, knocking on wood, by the way? That was me. We also have, you know, people who need our help. So it's an interesting time to be an immigration lawyer. And so what we're doing is we're just delegating the work out more. We're getting people involved in cases earlier. We're also getting people involved in handling consults other than me. And so it's it's getting to a point where you can really sort of see the future. And the future for, for us, I think, is is me sitting around thinking up big thoughts and then finding the people around me who are good at implementing them. You know, the other thing from Strategic Coach is that we took this personality test called the Colby Index. I talked about it before, and, and I'm a 10 quick start. So that means that I am really, really good at thinking things up and coming up with ideas, but that my follow-through is not the best. And so having people around me who sort of fill in my gaps has really, really helped. So I want you to talk a little bit about the strategic part of it, the strategy part of it, because that's something that I'm going to commit to by next week to, uh, I by Monday, I'm going to get back to my routine of Monday afternoons from one to four, just sitting in a room, locked, no one bothering me, no interruption, turning my cell phone off, back to strategy, because that, that's it's ultimately important, and I've got to make a change. <laughs> I've got to get back to what I was doing, so I'm going to do that. I want you to talk about strategy and what you learned about strategy and what they talk about at Strategic Coach about how important it is. Well, first of all, I'm going to try and call you or get a hold of you sometime on Monday afternoon just to disrupt you. But we, Good uh, luck. Yeah. So with Coach so far, we've had two meetings, and one of the things is sort of how to measure success. And we talked before about the gap and the gain, how you know we spend a lot of time looking off into the distance of where we want to be instead of looking behind us and seeing what we've accomplished. So I've, that's been a really positive thing for me. And because of my sort of hard time with follow through, the one thing I committed to at my last strategic coach meeting is to uh, journal each day and to give myself tasks to do and just to be sort of more rigorous because I'm such a free spirit and I'm sort of so far away from being able to focus intently like that, that I've really had to build out systems to help me do that. So the strategy piece comes from I think knowing myself, knowing what my strengths are, playing to those strengths, and then shoring up either with other people or with hacks, no pun intended, to help me sort of get around the things that I'm not necessarily drawn to or strong at. And is this something that you learned over time, or is this something that you learned from strategic coach? Where, where did you learn to acknowledge this stuff? Well, I think mostly it was from being around other people who were like me. And I think the conference really helped with that too. I think it was a it was a really empowering experience for me and for everybody else there because we are unique. We are unique in that we're lawyers and within lawyers, we're unique in that we mostly own our own firms and we're unique in that we're positive people and and we're unique in that we want to build something cool that we can tell people about and, and impact people. And so, I mean, most lawyers aren't like us. And so I've been in this really great space in 2018 where I've been able to sort of sort of step out of the shadows or, or step into a place of comfortableness and leadership in exactly who I am. I love it. Some of the things you said just gave me some really good ideas. So I'm like keeping them myself. So I, I, I love what you said. I've got to wrap things up. you have anything else you want to say before we wrap things up? No, I'm ready for my hack. You ready for it? 
All right, before we get to those, though, I want to make sure everyone goes to the Facebook group and joins there. There's a, a lot of great discussion. You and I could not even exist anymore, and it'd be, it'd be just fine because there's so much going on there. It's pretty awesome. And then also, please go to iTunes and give us a five-star review if you enjoy the podcast. All right, Jim, what's your hack? So my hack is that if anyone's thinking about redoing their website, they really need to talk to, to Seth J. Price, our friends at Blue Shark Digital. And I tell you this why. My website went live on Friday. So... I've been puttering along with my very text-heavy, very slow-loading, and very hidden comment section or contact us section on my website for many years. Will Edie has convinced me to trim out a lot of my content. Seth and his team and I are working on that. But I had the most amazing thing. So the site went live on Friday. Tyson, I don't know how many how many contact us hits you get off your website every month. I would say for the most part, I get about four or five. Since Friday, I've had 10. I couldn't believe it. I, I can't believe it. It's just, it's like, and it's real substantive stuff. It's people that, these are the people that were on my website before that were not reaching out to us for whatever reason. So literally, we usually had a four or five a month and we've had 10 in three days or four days. So I've just been blown away. And the, the site is super fast. Um, it's easy to find. And we're just, we're just going to rock the house now. That's actually really interesting. I added recently, and I sort of forgotten I'd done it. It was one of these things like I did a late night binge working on the website, and I put a uh, a text us and we'll call you little form field on one of the pages of the website, and it is like there's nothing else. All you do, all they do is enter their first name and their and their phone number, and it sends me an actual email. It does not send me a text, but they think it sends a text, and. I've gotten all these leads from that. It's it's pretty incredible. And it, I mean, it gives us no other information, but it's an easy way of getting leads. So that that's really incredible. Great results that uh, Seth's already getting. And he's he's got a really good offer for Maximum Lawyer listeners, so uh, they need to call him about that. He and I mentioned it the other day, and I, I, so I don't want to mention it in case it's not available anymore, but he was talking about potentially offering it to listeners, so they need to give him a call. All right, so my tip of the week. So the other day, I heard a quote, Jason Selk, in one of his books, he's actually our coach, and it's paraphrasing it. Basically, you shouldn't do anything unless you're confident in doing it, because if you're not confident in doing it, it's going to show, and people are going to know. And Whenever you're meeting with a client or you're trying a case and you're not confident about it, they're going to see it. And uh, so you need to be prepared. And a lot of it has to do with, you know, in your mind being prepared and then also just being prepared in general. So the tip of the week is just don't do anything unless you're confident in doing it. And that if you have that mindset, you're going to change your thinking and actually be prepared before you go into something. So that's my tip of the week. All right. Well, Tyson, I always enjoy having guests on the show, but there's really no substitute for you and I talking things through. It helps me clarify my thinking. Joey Vitale and I have been having some calls lately, but this has been great. I've enjoyed this episode a lot. I like it too. You like going back to the roots a little bit. It's funny, Joey and I, last thing, Joey and I had a, we sat down and had about an hour session a few weeks ago as after the conference, and we did his segments and blocked out his segments. It was a, it was a blast. Um, he and I did a Zoom meeting and we put, we had a whiteboard on Zoom or blue, either Zoom or Blue Jeans, whichever one has that whiteboard function. It was a blast. So I think he recorded, I think we're talking about releasing it somewhere. So uh, I'll talk to Joey about releasing that. It was a lot of fun. But all right, Jimmy, I'm going to go. It's, it's been a blast. I'll talk to you later. Good luck, buddy. Thanks, man. See you. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. The Maximum Lawyer Podcast.
to stay in contact with your hosts and to access more content, content. go to MaximumLawyer.com. Maximum Have a great week and catch you next time.